What will you do when they find me? Don't be scared of yourself. Don't be scared of me. Don't be scared of yourself. Hi, I'm Dawn. And I'm Ashley. We would like to welcome you to the Work It, You Are Worth It podcast. Where two friends sit around and talk about healing, growth, and healthy relationships. I will find you. You will ask, what will you do when they find me? Hey, Ashley. Hey, Dawn. How are you? Great. How are you? I'm wonderful. Good. Good. How's, how's the week? Been good? How's it's the been job? Great. Job's great, I'm sure. Yes, it's great. It's a lot of information, um, but it's wonderful. I've enjoyed it. Good. That's good. So I have to share something that I just kind of found very funny this week, um, and it really reminded me of early in my journey. I've met a group of women, and I really have been they're very excited about it because it's outside of um, recovery work. It's outside of CODA. So it's just literally some girlfriends hanging out and I'm not having to do any, right. I'm not having to, you know, do look at myself and talk about myself and talk about other people and talk about CODA and right. It's, it's just trying to give my some life, some balance, but anyways, some fun. Yeah. Some fun. So, we went out for dinner the other night, and I have not mentioned anything in detail about what um, what my life consists of with with CODA and recovery work. Um, they know that I'm very busy during the week with meetings and um, meeting with different individuals and um, doing you know doing this podcast. And then we were talking, and somebody said. The, the, the one lady I know the best, she said, she mentioned something about codependency. And I was like, I, let, I chuckled and I s- explained to her, I said, you know, what I've told you that I do is very, is, is all based on codependency and the work I'm doing. And I've been, you know, I've been personally in recovery and 12 steps for four or five years. And so of course everybody was very interested. And there was one individual I noticed it immediately the first time I met them that this person was very, I could see a lot of codependent tendency. It really reminded me of myself in all honesty. So when they found out this is what I did, of course, then it turned into all these questions. And this person actually had asked for some examples. And so I gave them, trying not to use their situation at, you know, at all. And unfortunately, they wanted more details related to their situation. So I did use some examples. It was so funny because the first thing was, I don't do this. I don't do that. I'm this. I'm that. I'm not that. I don't do that. I'm not. I don't try to control. I don't try to manipulate. I don't. The defensiveness. And what I realized, and I guess I, I mean, I'm doing the work. I knew one of my biggest things was denial, which I think is a big thing for all of us. But it was so interesting to see how this person just immediately went to trying to justify their behaviors and denying any possibility that that they could need to work on themselves, work on their relationships. Well, it's funny, isn't it, that 
like denial one of the very first things right the very first thing we all go through in pretty much any situation is denial quickly followed by acceptance right because First, I have to accept that the situation is real. I have to accept that this is happening. And before I can accept it, I I obviously am denying it. Isn't that usually defensiveness is usually where we start when we're in denial. It's funny when when you mention the defensiveness because I think about anything someone says to me, if it's not accurate, I don't get defensive. I'm just like, oh, oh, that's what you think. Yeah, right okay. in, in in my sickness in my codependency before my growth and my recovery I would try to explain and prove them wrong show that I knew what I was talking about but I would never get defensive or angry in when something was true when someone would would say something or point something out to me that was was true I would be in denial at the time about it therefore I would get defensive Oh, like, oh, I don't do that. That's not me. But if I'm not in denial, I don't get defensive. I remember my mom and I used to have when back when these big blowout fights and so much was her like I would call her out on stuff, of course, right into being trying to be superior and trying to be be right. And she would just lose it. Like, right, she'd get so defensive. But if she did, and if she, when she did the same thing to me, I would immediately go to there as well. I did that, I've done that mm-hmm. with spouses. I've done that with children, with my kids. Oh, yeah. You know, with my kids, it's like, oh, how, how dare my kids call me on something, handling myself or behaving this way or talking, you know, saying something because I am their, I'm their superior and they, there's no way they should challenge me on, the, on those things. Right. And in a way that's as well denying the fact that my kids have their own own way of thinking and they might be right. Well, right, especially when I'm getting defensive about it. If, if I, I mean, I've got three kids. If my 11-year-old comes out and yells and stomps their feet and tells me how unfair something is, I'm like, sorry, kid, that's life. Yeah, right. I'm not defensive about it. You think it's unfair. That's life. That's how it is. This is how it has to be. I don't get defensive. Right. But now, if my 11 year old comes out and stomps her foot and says, um, you never spend any time with me, you're always at work. I'm going to immediately be like, I can't help it. I got to work to pay the bills. I want to be home just as I'm going to get defensive. Like, how dare you call me out on something that I don't want to hear? Because I know it's true. Yep. It's something I don't like. I know that. I am I am at work way too much in, for for my eleven year old. You know, in her opinion, I'm at work way too much, and I know that. Right, and she um, might not understand it now. This is her. This is where she's at. This is what she's feeling. Doesn't matter that she's eleven, right? Her feelings are her feelings, and they have to be respected right. and honored. But at the same time, I gotta work. Gotta work. Right? And the key is right. I'm defensive about it. Not because I'm in denial anymore, and I'm not so much defensive about it anymore. I would have been years ago. I I was, actually, with my oldest and my son. I was very defensive about not being at home with them. I'm a good mom. How dare you say I don't spend enough time with my kids? It's not like I have a choice. And now, 
my response would be quite different. Like, you're right, kid. I'm not home enough. I, I wish I was home more, too. Right. I, I'm sorry. Maybe we can spend every Saturday together for an hour and a half, just the two of them. You know, like. Right. Uh, it's I'm not in denial about it anymore, so I'm not going to be defensive. Yeah. So thinking back, how how did you get your awareness? Like, what? how did you discover that you were in denial? Like, do you remember a point where it was like, oh, wow. So let's talk about control denial. Denial of being controlling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for my family that's listening to this, they will laugh when I say this. I, from the time I was 14 years old is the very first time I remember somebody telling me I was bossy and controlling. From the time I was 14 years old until two years ago. Until two years ago. From the time I was 14 years old until I was 38 years old, 37 years old. I, people told me all the time that I was controlling. Mm-hmm. People told me all the time that, like, I just, you got to let go a little bit. Loosen the strings, let give the kids some space, give Nick some space, my ex-husband some space. And I would shut them down. I'm not controlling. I'm just trying to help. And if they would just do the things the way that they need to, then I wouldn't say anything. Right? If he would just do what he told me he was going to do, then I wouldn't say anything ever. How is that controlling? Like, uh, it, it, right, if, if he would just go to work and have the bill money in the bank account, then I wouldn't yell at him to go to work. So how am I being controlling if he would just do the stuff that he needs to do? When really, if he's not doing the stuff that he needs to do, it's not my job to try to force him to do what he needs to do. That is controlling. Right. Because it's I didn't see that. Right, because you can't change him. You get to decide what you do with it. But he doesn't put money in the bank. You get to decide what Ashley is going to do with that. Why would I still rely on him to put money in the bank if he's not putting money in the bank? Instead right. of going to him and be like, don't forget the money. Did you put the money in there? Put the money in there. Move the money. You got to put the money in there. Yep. Like that's, it doesn't work that way. I mean, it does, but not for long. It's not successful <laughs> and in the long run. Miserable. So when did I get that awareness? How did that awareness come? So first I had to reach rock bottom. Because, frankly, in order to become aware of such a deep-seated issue as control, especially as deep-seated as it was for me, I had to be at rock bottom. I just couldn't see it. No matter how many times people pointed it out to me in how many different ways, from different perspectives and different angles, I couldn't hear it. Like, I heard the words that were coming out of their mouth, but I just... I didn't believe it. I didn't see it. I didn't take it in. Even when I tried to examine myself, I was unable to see that I was being controlling. My ex-husband, for example, like he was allotted X amount of money as an allowance out of his paycheck every week. And that was his money to do with as he saw fit. And when he got paid, that money would go into our joint account. I would take all except for his allowance. Like, I don't know what else to call it, right? I would take everything except that money that he was allowed. And I would move it over into my personal account so that he didn't have access to it. And that was that was how it stayed. That was how it always was for many, many years while we were married. That was how it was. And when someone would say, why are you taking his paycheck out of y'all's joint account? 
and moving it into an account only you have access to, I would say, well, because if I don't, he's going to blow it. He's going to spend it. And they would say, well, that's controlling. And I'd be like, well, if you want to call that controlling, oh, well, I don't think that's controlling. I got to make sure my bills are paid. I'm doing what's best interest of my kids. I don't think that's controlling. It took me until being in CODA, hitting rock bottom, going into a 12-step program, being willing to let go of every preconceived notion that I had about what was right and what I should do in order to see that what I was doing was control. Does that make sense? I don't like. <laughs> oh, if you could see me over here, just like I'm like, right, 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 right. Because um, like I'm jotting on these notes because <laughs> for me, it makes complete sense because like you're talking, you're talking to a person that's lived their whole life from little up wearing a badge of honor by like control was a badge of honor for me. Oh, I'm, I know I'm controlling because I've been told that my entire life. I'm controlling, I'm controlling, I'm controlling. So I took it on as a badge, like of, I'm controlling, it's my superpower. And I laugh because if people, like I would say that, I control the bills. I control our bank accounts. Nothing went out, went out of our bank accounts without me knowing it. And if it did... If it, right, it was, oh God, the wrath came down because it was all about what I said was okay. So I didn't transfer, we, you know, we had joint accounts and if I saw something in there that wasn't the, basically he didn't call and get his, get permission. This was more my second husband than my first. If he didn't get permission, oh God. Oh, I did that too. Oh, oh yeah. My. You had your allowance, but then I controlled what you spent your allowance on. But I look back now and I laugh because I, I don't like, <sighs> I look back now and I laugh because I don't understand how I didn't see it. I lived it. I was there, but I still don't understand when I look back, hindsight is twenty twenty, right? When I look back at myself at, 22 years old and how I was with my ex-husband like I timed how long it took him to drive from work to home and if he was 10 minutes late I allotted him 10 minutes for traffic on a 30 minute drive if he was 10 minutes late we had a problem and it doesn't matter that I had reasons for doing it right yes he would show up three hours late Yes, he would lie about where he was. Yes, he would go to the strip club and throw our bill money at strippers. That doesn't matter. The fact is, I was controlling. And I I just couldn't see it. Like, I remember at, at 22, my dad telling me at one point, honey, if you don't let go and give him some space and allow him to be him, you're never going to make it. And I just, I couldn't hear it I could not hear what people were saying to me and when I look back at it now I'm just like how did I not see it because you were in denial I was denial and so I was I was a hundred percent in denial so it's so funny because I was very in control of my husband's and definitely very similar right knew where he was all the time was like right I mean and we were both very much 
way too over the top connect like connected right we didn't have outside lives so it was very much i i enmeshed yes what's so funny is the guy that brought me to coda my rock bottom right before i hit my rock bottom and um you know there was the cheating the lies and the you know and the whole other family and stuff like that I knew exactly how long it took him to get home, right? Because I have dr- had driven it. So I knew realistically it should take 40, 45 minutes to get home. And there would be nights that he would call, he would, you know, he would, he'd text me and say, like, hey, I'm leaving. I'm like, okay, you know, be careful. See you soon. And two hours later, he wouldn't be home. And I was also in denial of, about that because I should have, like right there should have been, hey, what's taking you so long? Why does this, right? But I was in denial about what was going on as well because I didn't want to see right. it. So denial How works powerful. two different ways. Control. Absolutely. And being denying, denying the fact that I was so controlling, but it, going the other way where I was in denial about what was, real, what was really going on because I didn't want to see Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And looking back now, it was there. It was painted. Like I. <laughs> hindsight's twenty twenty. Hindsight's twenty twenty. How powerful is that? Like denial. How powerful of a tool? Now, right? We're talking about the ways it has been used negatively. Denial is a powerful tool, right? Yes. How powerful is it that in the moment of doing it, like I, we just can't see. Even looking back. 10 years after the incidents happened, I look back and I still don't understand how, what I understand why I didn't see it. Denial. But mm. I, I, I don't like, I don't understand how I was in denial because it was so glaringly obvious. And the answer is I wasn't ready to face it. Right. So had I faced the fact that I was controlling 10 years ago, I wouldn't have had the tools to know what to do or how to live without being controlling, right? So for me, control equaled safety, right? So if I knew what was going to happen and I, I, if I was in control, then I knew what everybody was doing and I was safe. If he was going to work and he was coming home, he wasn't cheating on me. If he was going to work and he was coming home, the bills were going to be paid. If he was going to work and coming home, um, then I would have a roof over my head. Right, I would be safe if I was in control of him. However, if I wasn't in control of him, I wasn't safe. So I had to use denial in order to keep myself safe. So I remember, I can remember the day I lost or I gained denial with the guy um, that brought me to CODA. And... (laughs) I actually was, when I went into this relationship, we were probably five months in and things just did not add up. Like, right, I saw it. I, and I actually took it to my mother and said, of course, because I couldn't trust myself, I had to go get somebody else's op- opinion. And of course, I went to the hardware store to get milk because I didn't, I, right, I didn't have anybody else to t- talk to. I, I went to my mother with everything right? She's my mother. That's, That's who you knew. That's what you knew. Exactly. And she told me I was crazy. 
She told me, no, no, Dawn, you're just being right. You're just, you know, you're just looking for problems. You need to trust more. You just did it right. And that moment I went into denial and I never saw anything like it's like I didn't see anything again. I sit here and I can say and tell everybody and I said this coming out of the this whole thing with him. Right. It caught me off guard. I was so because it did catch me off guard because I was in denial about what was really happening. Oh, yeah. When I finally realized how controlling I was, I, I'll never forget. I was sitting in a meeting and I, again, I had been in denial for so long. I was sitting in a meeting and the control patterns came up um, and we, we talked about them in detail, just the control patterns. And I was like, oh, my God, I do that. And every story that was shared that night everyone that shared that night their example of control i was like oh my god i've done that <laughs> i've done that i've done that how can i possibly say i'm not controlling when i've done all these things that all these people are calling themselves controlling for doing so i couldn't write it there was no reason to be defensive nobody was attacking me nobody was telling me that i was anything all of a sudden these people were calling themselves this for doing things that I had done. And now it was safe yes. for me to go, oh, I did that. And it was like, you know when you're sitting in the movie theater and they, they have the, um, the previews and then the screen goes black and you like hold your breath for a minute and the lights all go down. Yep. And then all of a sudden the movie screen pops up. It was like that. Right. Like it was like these people sitting there calling themselves controlling over these situations. And they weren't saying I am controlling. They were saying I did this and this was controlling. Right. And by them saying that, it was like everything just kind of went quiet and I took it all in. And then all of a sudden the lights just came on and it was like, oh, my God, that's me. I did this. And then it was like this movie reel of every situation of just how controlling and all of these times that all these people had pointed it out and I was just in total denial about it, right? Like even something like taking things personal. My first memory of taking something personal is I, I was, gosh, three, four years old and my mom looking at me and going, you're always so sensitive. You always take everything so personal. Not everything is about you. I denied it then. And I denied it yesterday, and I denied it last month, and I denied it five years ago. I still, to this day, even knowing that I tend to take things personal, I still catch myself taking things personal. Denial is that strong of a tool, and it's meant to help us. It's so hard. It's like, how did I not see it? How did I live and not see how in this place of, of, of denial and but I'm not gonna I can't beat myself up about it right because right. you only know what you know when you know it right and I am not going to get angry at my child because they do not understand that two plus two equals four I am going to sit down with them and I'm going to pull out four objects and I'm going to show them how two plus two equals four I cannot be angry at myself for being in denial I cannot be angry at myself for not seeing the things I did not see. I can, however, pull out the objects and break it down and sh show myself, once I see it, 
how I did it, when I did it, where I did it. And then I can take that information and know if I do this, then I am being controlling. If I do this, then I am taking it personal. And I won't be in denial anymore. And that will create awareness. And that creates growth. I remember early in my journey, really, especially once I kind of got this awareness, being patient with myself, forgiving myself, not basically not chastising myself for taking so long to get to this po- that point. Yes. And I think everybody goes through that where it's like, man, Dawn, why was it so hard? Why were you so thick-headed? Why couldn't you have done this before? Why couldn't you, right? Because there's a freedom that definitely comes with all of this. And, you know, well, if, God, you would have, if only I'd have known then, what yeah, I know now, now, right? If I would have, I could have, I could have lived instead of having five years of recovery and feeling free and all of that, I could have 10 years. But the thing about it is, is I wouldn't have been ready 10 years ago, 15 years ago. I was brought to CODA on June 26th because that was the day I was meant to come to CODA. That was when I was meant to go to my first meeting. Any time before that, I wouldn't have been ready. My higher power knew that. Absolutely. Our higher power always knows when we are ready. And that brings up the other side of denial. So if I see someone who is living in denial and I slap them with the truth, hey, look, this is how it is. You control it. You're, you're controlling and you're manipulative and you're telling people what to do. You need to stop it. And they're not ready to hear it. How is that going to do any good? Exactly. Going back to this, this individual, right? My, I didn't go into this, this meeting, these, these people throwing out, I'm in CODA. Everybody's codependent. Everybody, you should do this. You should do that. You, right. right. When I heard this person speak, and listen to her talk and could relate to her. I didn't tell her that she was codependent. I didn't call her out. Right. And therefore, there was no reason for her to be defensive, right? You didn't slap her because with it, the truth. It wasn't my place to. It wasn't. Right. There was a time. If I would have went at her day one, never meeting this person before, bam, here you are. I'm going to call you out because I see it. What's that going to serve? But higher power had someone else use the word codependency for me to say hey that's what i you know oh that's funny because that's what i do all week right i do a podcast on it then this person asked for the website ask for where the podcast is right so right there's the difference is she didn't sit in her denial and you say hey here go look at this hey, here's my example. You did this and you did that and that was that and that was this. No, no. She stepped out of her denial and she said, hey, I kind of recognize this. Can I have that website? Do you have some examples? Is this what this is? Can you teach me a little more on this? Yep. Right? And she was able to hear you because you waited for her to be ready. You waited for her to come to you about it. Now, does that mean she will take it any farther than that one conversation? No. Does it, does that have anything to do with me? No. If she comes back to me 
and asks for more information, I would be very happy, and I'm always very happy about talking a, a program, a 12-stroke program that gave me my life back. I'll talk about this all damn day. But I'm not going to, right? My job is not to chase her. My job is if you ask, I will share my serenity. Oh, God, I just like my mind just Experience, went blank. Experience, and hope. <laughs> Thank you. My mind Experience, went so blank. Yeah. It happened. Yes. My, I would share my experience, strength, and hope with her and give her my story. Uh, not telling her, you did this, you do that, you do this, right? It's, this is what I did, this is what I experienced, and this is how I found a freedom, a new freedom. I found a new freedom. Yeah. Denial is a very, very powerful tool. Um, and... We've talked about the ways in which it can be used as a negative tool. What about the ways that we use denial in a positive way? I, I'm struggling with that as I say that because I'm not really sure of any example. Okay. Um, I think we, right, it's about timing. I'm going to, all right, so there's plenty of times that I have, been, like, I get faced with a situation. And I might not be quite ready to deal with it. And it's, I don't want to say that's denial, but I'm just not ready. So maybe right now I'm going to just block it, deny it a little bit, but it's not off the plate. It's like, right, it's not off the table. But what I am going to do is I'm going to hand it to my IR power and say, hey, I know this is something that I need to deal with eventually, but I'm not ready to right now. Can you hang on to this? Yeah, that's not necessarily denial. Yeah, that's the only thing I can think of. Well, I, I mean, and maybe that's more avoidance until built muscle building. Yeah, that's and, true. Right? Like, like I know I got to get to the 500-pound weights, but I'm not going to go from no weight lifting straight to 500 pounds. I got to work my way yeah, up Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Wow, I wish I'd have thought of this before we started recording. <laughs> I don't know, though. Maybe this is how your power's got it. Maybe there's a reason. So the only way in which I can see to not positive, and I didn't, I, I was hesitant on putting this out there, but so if as a child one was molested, or if as a teen or young, I don't care okay. what age you were, that doesn't even matter. If at some point someone was molested or raped or hurt so traumatically that to accept this would cause my brain to shut down. It is just an emotional overwhelm. It is a nervous system overwhelm. I'm going to block it out of my brain completely. I'm going to deny that it ever happened. I have no memory of it. My body and brain just takes the choice from me and completely blocks it out of my memory. That is a form of denial. It is a subconscious denial, but it is a form of denial. True. I think that's a positive way that we use it. It is. That is a yeah. I mean, right? If my if I if my nervous system is so the, the trauma was so high, the PTSD, the post traumatic stress is so intense that it would cause a disorder. Then it's very possible that my brain will just block this the memory from being there in order to protect my myself. You know, I really would like, since we are, I mean, and that's a, it, it is a good example. It is a good example. Um, 
because right we have to, we do have to protect ourselves and so and i think you know it i would really be interested to hear what if any are any of our listeners have any thoughts or can think of another way that denial would be could positive be, would be positive um because i know right we are putting uh, on the spot i'm over here like when as soon as you said it i'm like oh shit i'm like my mind started like oh god um i think it's usually right i'd have to say it's probably typically usually a subconscious denial right yeah when i was 25 years old i was in total denial of the fact that i was controlling and the reason i was denying it then is because i wasn't safe without it so subconsciously i could not face the fact that I was controlling because without my control, I felt unsafe. So subconsciously, I was in denial. Therefore, my denial was trying to keep me safe. So if the listeners, anybody does have any thoughts on a positive way denial could be used, obviously go to the website and go to contact us and send in what your thoughts are. And we'll read those um, on, in the next podcast um, or in a future podcast. What is there any other ways that you have used denial, right? Something popped into my head was money denying that i i could have a shopping issue i could denial that i i don't handle my my finances appropriately i'm an accountant everybody thinks i should be able to handle my money oh you you're a pro oh you're you know right you it's what you do all day you should be good at it well that doesn't mean that's what i'm good at i mean right my my finances have have been an issue my entire life because I have always been looking for instant gratification and I could deny that I have denied that my entire, you know, from majority of my life. But in reality, I have mismanaged money in ways that I, I could have definitely been better at it. So that's one thing I, another area I could think of um, being in denial about. I would say I am in denial about the lack of physical health. I give my body. Um, yep. Not that I don't eat, sleep, drink, what, right? But that I don't, when I feel sick, I don't take time off. When I feel like I need to rest, I go to work anyways. When Oh, you're when not I a superhero? Sick, yeah, yes, I do. I don't, I don't, I'm, I, I'm one of those people that takes pride in the fact that I don't call in sick. Same. So, right, I'm in, I am definitely... And I'm even struggling to say this. That's how deep the denial is. <laughs> um, but I am in denial about not taking care of my physical body as well as I should. I don't eat right. I don't drink water. I live off Mountain Dew. I might eat once a day, maybe twice if I'm really somebody's around at dinner time and I have to eat right. I don't take care of my physical body the way that I should. And I, up until today, I've been in major denial about that. I'm still in denial about it. I know it, but I'm not accepting it yet. Because <laughs> I... in order to accept it would mean I have to do something about it. And I'm just not prepared to do something about it. So clearly, I'm still in denial about it. So here you go, higher power. Throw that back at me again in a couple of weeks when I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that is denial, right? Because I'm is. not avoiding it. I'm just still stuck in denial. It, and I was, I've, I'm very much there, was there as well. So you, you know my medical history, and I tend to always be in denial about things. Um, so I go from zero to hundred when it comes to anything medical. 
Um, I've had staph infection a two, three times. My body told me. My body told me. Right? I... Oh, God. I can't even believe I'm saying this. Okay. So, both times I... When my... How I'm told, I don't drive right. One time, I backed into a mailbox, pulling out of my, gri- my driveway. Not because I wasn't paying attention. Right? I... My body was telling me, but I ignored it until uh-huh. it became this, like I have, so like something major would have to happen where I'm like, oh my God, I'm not feeling safe for me to get there. And then I'm, because I'm, I'm in denial about what my body is telling me. Cause something it, more major than backing into a mailbox right. in a driveway that you drive into and out of every, every day. day for how many years? <laughs> yeah. And um, I get it, though, because right on the same way, like I said, my body will be like, dude, you need a break, and I'll go and go and go until all of a sudden I got 103 fever, and I can't walk, and I can't breathe, and now yeah. I'm dying. And then it's funny because I'm so in denial about with it, and I'm not anymore. Now I take what I need, but <laughs> it was to the point where I would end up get would get to the point where I'd go to the doctor then when I wasn't feeling good and my doctor would be like um Dawn you got to go to the emergency room like you shouldn't be standing let's call an ambulance no no I'm good I can get myself there and I would drive to the hospital right and Uh, yep (laughs) it and then I would be out of work for a while and or you know I'd be in the hospital for a week let's say it would be, be a week I'd get out on Sunday. I would call, would text my manager on Sunday night and say, hey, I just got out of the hospital. You know, she knew I was getting, you know, she knew I was in and I'm getting out. Um, I'll go ahead and lo- I'll log in tomorrow morning, but I'm just going to need to work from home because I have an IV in one arm because I, you know, I had been in for a staph infection. And I, so I had a, um, not an IV, but a pick line right in my arm to my heart. Yep. Giving me, trying to do antibiotics at home through IV twice a week or twice a day for a month. The other arm, I had had elbow surgery because that's where the staph infection started. So I was in a cast, but don't worry, I'll log in tomorrow and I'll just have to work from home. Yep. That's denial. Never mind resting. That's That's denial. That's denial. Yeah. That is denying what my body was telling me. I'm going to give myself a little bit of a break on this too as well because my employer should have said no. But I don't know if I would have even listened to that. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm good. Right. Right? I can move my hands. I can rest my arms. I just need to step away yep. to write for the home, home health nurse to come in and administer my IV for me. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. It's not though. I mean it is. It's 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 crazy that we would allow ourselves to get to the point where we are so ignoring what our body is telling us, right? Because if it were today, I look back and I say, I won't do that now. No. But I did do that, right? You did. We did. We did that. People do that every single day. And it's funny how much we would give for our jobs. And then, like you said, I, I've said it too, I expect them to tell us, no, don't come work for me, right? Like, don't make me money. Stay at home and rest and let me yeah. pay you instead. 
Who would do that? They have to look out for themselves, too. Of course they're going to let us work. Right. You know, I went, I got out of the hospital three days before my son graduated from college. In those three days, mind you, pick line in one arm, cast in the other, on the other, and right, it was elbow surgery. So my cast was from my shoulder to my wrist in a slit, right? And they had, I, it was, anyways, the scar, I mean, the scar was eight inches long. It was like, it was bad. But anyways, so I took my son, son shopping the day after I got out of the hospital because he needed clothes for graduation. The boy was graduating from college. Do you think he could have went to the store on his own and bought himself clothes? You did that after work too, right? Oh, of course. Come on, Ashley. <laughs> right. So I get out of the hospital on Sunday. I go to work on Monday, take my son shopping Monday night, work Tuesday, probably did a meeting Tuesday night. And then Wednesday I have graduation and Lo and behold, I just got out of the hospital Sunday, but I'm okay. Yeah, so I just made sure I wore a sweater that right covered the the pick line and my arm because I really shouldn't have even been leaving the house with a pick line that goes straight to my heart. God but, forbid the effect infection that could get into that. Right. So all my pictures, you can't see the cast in, on my arm because, right, I had made sure that I stood on the side where my arm was behind everybody. And you were in a sweater in June in Florida. <laughs> Jeez, Dawn. That's but listen, but, right, that's what we do to ourselves. And we can sit here now and laugh about how intensely self-harming that is. But in that moment, all you felt like is, I can't stop. My son needs me. I can't stop. My job needs me. I can't stop. I'll be okay. Exactly. You, you actually weren't. It's kind of twisted the way this spins around on itself, right? In that moment, you weren't thinking about yourself at all. You were thinking about everyone else. But really, you needed to be needed by everyone else. So you were just thinking about yourself that they needed you. Because, right, your son could have taken himself shopping. Yep. Your job would have been just fine. Yep. You could have spent Monday and Tuesday laying on the couch resting and then gone Wednesday to this graduation happily or gotten it on video at college. Yeah, because it's not like he didn't graduate from high school and is getting his bachelor's, graduated with his master's, and he's going to graduate with his PhD. So it's not like I haven't been, like I'm not going to see graduations. Right. This isn't like a once in a lifetime we should risk our life for. But in that moment, it certainly did, it did one, I, I'd have to guess, it didn't feel like you were risking your life, did it? No, I was just going to say, I never th- I would never have thought I was li- risking my life. That would have never even crossed my mind. It didn't. But in fact, having a pick line going straight to your heart that's open to the air in and of itself is a risk. God forbid somebody cough in that direction. And, and this line's going straight to your heart. You're already fighting a staph infection. Right, and he didn't graduate from a community college. He graduated from a major university here in Florida. This auditorium, whatever, gymnasium, whatever, was literally packed. You definitely risked your life. And not only did you not think about the fact that you were risking your life, but also I'm sure in that moment there was no thought about what would be best for you. None, because I'm a superhero. I'm powerful. And at the same time... Had you gotten an infection and died, how selfish would that have been? Right? Because then 
I wouldn't get to even know my son went is getting his PhD, right? I would have never gotten right. Witness. Your kids would never have you. They would never have you for the rest of the, the, your life, their lives, because right. you had to see him graduate from college. Yep. That time. Now, the difference between then and that was a year before, no, six months. I don't even remember now, but that was right at my the beginning of my my journey. But um, nowadays. My knee hurts. I'm going to go spend six weeks in physical therapy. Right. Because my body is my vessel. You've said that in many of the Uh podcasts, right? My body is my vessel. I need to take care of it because I only have one body. I'm only going to get one body. And I plan on being around for a while. And I'm 52 years old. I'm not going to be struggling with backaches and hip pain and knee pain because I didn't take care of my body. My just because I didn't do it for 48 years doesn't mean that I can't start now. And that's right. That's the other side of this. And that's going to have to be another podcast too, is just because I didn't do it yesterday doesn't mean I can't do it today. Right. Just because I did it yesterday doesn't mean I have to do it today. For the first time last night, I told Nick after 16 years, I don't like it when you rub my back or my arm as I fall asleep. Can you please not do that? I was afraid to tell him that for 16 years. And I would lay there and wait for him to fall asleep while he was rubbing my arm as I inwardly cringed, like, please stop rubbing me. I can't sleep when you rub my arm. But I never once told him that. And what did he say? I thought it. Oh, well, all right. I thought that you liked him. (laughs) I won't do it anymore. And he's probably over here for 16 years thinking you like it. And he's like, God, my arm is so tired. I just want (laughs) to. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. He's thinking you like crazy. it. crazy. Just because. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. He, he, him thinking I like it and me pretending I like it because I didn't want to hurt his feelings by saying I didn't like it. And all the while, all I needed to do is say, hey, I know I've let you do this for 16 years, but really I don't like it. Can you please not do that? And he now, or, oh, sweet. I won't do it anymore. He's like, phew. Good. I'm glad that's done. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well. Thank you for sharing denial with me and um, listen, everybody listening. Thank you for talking denial with us. Um, again, if you can think of anything, if you can think of another examples of denial, good or bad, please share them with us. We keep saying this. We want to hear from you. We, we'd love to answer your questions. We'd love your feedback. We'd love any critiques you would like to give. Um, we definitely will or share. Or topic options. Oh, yes. Topic option would be wonderful. You can do all that through the website, which is workityouareworthit.com. Share your self-care pictures, taking care of yourself, doing things you love, and make sure you check out um, past podcasts. We'll have, they come out every Tuesday. And Ashley, anything you want to say in closing? It's just been, I've just truly enjoyed doing this with you, Dawn, and I hope our listeners have enjoyed it as much as we have. Me too, me too. So, all right, everybody, have a great week. Have a wonderful week, everyone, and I look forward to next week. All right. Bye. Bye. We would like to thank you for joining us on this journey of self-discovery. Visit the Work It website at workityouareworthit.com to submit your questions and topics for future episodes. And remember, work it because you are worth it. I will find you You will ask What will you do When you find me
question What will I do when I find you? I don't have to think, I don't have to Don't have to